The following podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and the possible destruction of society as we know it. We're now to a major breakthrough in the race for a coronavirus vaccine with the first human trials in the US showing promising results. Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine was tested on eight people with the drug able to stimulate an immune response against the virus. It seems we're in some sort of an equilibrium. The number of people being treated in Australian hospitals has been stubbornly hovering in the high 40s and low 50s now for more than a week. I just want to make something clear. It's very important. Vaccine or no vaccine, we're back. If we didn't do any testing, we would have very few cases. That's the line from the president right now. The Education Secretary Gavin Williamson says the government's approach to reopening schools in England will be cautious and based on scientific Coronavirus advice. is ravaging the Native American community, especially the Navajo Nation, which has the highest coronavirus infection rate per capita in the entire U.S. And as CNN Sarah Seidman reports for us now, limited access to health care and a lack of running water in many areas have contributed to the devastating A impact. further 468 deaths of people who tested positive for coronavirus in the UK were reported in the past 24 hours, taking the official death toll to 34,466. Tri-state's recovery ramps up this week. Businesses in all three states are set to reopen. Well, people are already returning to beaches, even bars, as leaders face this challenge now of regulating the crowds in these places. The key COVID indicators, they continue to show social distancing. Other measures, they're working. The number of new cases, hospitalizations, and intubations in New York State dropped again today. The number of deaths in the last 24 hours, that's down as well. New York lost 139 more people, New Jersey 107. Still a reminder of the pain this virus inflicts on families, and yet it's really so much better than we were not too long ago. I'm good, I'm good, Hello, I'm Hello and welcome to the ISOcast. We're an advice show for the isolation era. My name is Patrick Cullen and it's a bit of a different show for you ladies and gentlemen today. Um, I actually have a guest in the studio, which is an amazing series of events and it shows how far the world has come. My good friend, the main man, Dave Burrows. DP, thank you so much for joining me on the ISOcast, pal. Thanks for having me in the studio. That's, that's kind of the thing I'm most excited about. It's lovely to see a person's face in real life. This is blowing my mind a little bit. <laughs> I don't know what to do with myself. Um, it's it's just to be here in the studio is quite an honour, so I appreciate it. It's, it's a real sign of the times, too, DB. Because it means that by being in each other's company, like, lockdowns and isolation is, is closing out. It is. It's weird because on one end, the rest of the world seems to be in a dive. Yeah. Just like a free dive into a new level of hell. Um, <laughs> and... And, and, and my heart, you know, goes out to the rest of the world, uh, who definitely is, is in that, uh, in that space. Um, but yeah, it feels like, uh, the rules don't really apply to us in the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, I think America is having such a different experience of this yeah. than we are. You know, they're having such a different time 
experiencing this whole thing than, than we are. And, and like as much as it really pains me to say it, and it does, it's, it's sad to say that our government's actually run this thing relatively okay. And that kind of hurts. If we didn't have you to admit that, you're just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to have to admit that to myself or anyone. No, not to anybody. Yeah. You know, like, least of all the listeners of this show. I mean, look, I, I don't know about you, PC, but I'm, I'm a pretty dirty, dirty socialist. Oh, um, too, you know, so, that, yeah. so I do, I do take, um, you know, ScoMo's defeats with some, uh, some joy, some Maybe. jubilation, but I, I am, I am happy that he listened to the doctors on this one and didn't royally and completely fuck it up. Uh, that's, that's kind of nice, you know, um, and just for a change, (laughs) you know, it's amazing how when people just like listen to scientists, Dave, and like people actually know their shit and we just do what they say, it all kind of goes all right. I mean, every disaster movie you've ever watched, everyone, all right, starts off with a scientist being like, we should do this thing. And then the idiots are like, no, that's dumb. (laughs) The economy. Uh, but here. They did. They listened. They listened to the yeah. scientists, and now I get to be in your in your studio. Ah, oh, I know. I mean, <laughs> that's the dream. A result. That's a pretty powerful result. Mate. But can that's I ask a, you? Because something sure. that I've been thinking about yeah, yeah. quite a bit is so the the gap between we can and we should uh, in mm. terms of going out. Because obviously, you know, the people making these decisions to let us out and do things again are very much driven by, you know, not just public health and public safety but also like the economy and like we need to save the economy and so you know how much of the easings of restrictions are you feeling like yep cool that's nice but like i might still stay a couple tracks behind you know yeah yeah and like lingering behind that db is this thought of the second wave Mm. like the lingering anxiety of the second wave and i'm not sure if you've started to see them but i've started to see people posting like graphs from the 1918 pandemic showing this like massive upswing in the second wave and all that i'm not sure how much of that is fear-mongering or not but well i mean i mean it was the the spanish flu right Mm. like it was like two to three million people in the first wave and then it was like I, i don't remember the exact numbers but it was like i remember it was like double digits yeah for the second wave um so, I mean, I think that's a very valid fear, but I also, I also wonder if, like, the fact that we've kind of got our borders closed and, and if the problem can kind of be semi-resolved internally, if, if we'll be fine? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I, would, I would love to be able to go to the movies again. Yeah. <laughs> More than anything. Yeah, going to the movies would be, would be sick. Hey, hey, DB. Yes. Uh, I'm getting distracted, but... Saturday. Saturday night, I saw your beautiful self. We had yes. a lovely little dinner. What a great time that was. But Saturday day, I went to a restaurant, Dave. I sat you did. in a restaurant and a lovely human came and bought me a beautiful beer in a giant glass and I had a bento box and it mm. was just fucking spectacular. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that's the dream. You live in the dream. <laughs> you absolutely live in the dream. Um, that's, that's where kind of I am still in that space between between can and should because I'm like as much as I want to do that I think what like whether it's deserved or not I still have this little anxiety about it oh. I'm like yeah look I'm okay to have two people over for dinner because I know they've been self-isolating and yeah. and we can kind of be safe and whatever but the idea of sitting down in a restaurant still makes me go is this the smart thing to be doing I don't yeah, know maybe not um, but it sounds delightful. Oh, wonderful. Aspirational. 
That's <laughs> what it is. I'm very aspirational. I'm very aspirational. Man. Yeah. On that front, did you see the footage from people in New York who were just like lining the freaking streets, going to bars and restaurants? Like this week. I did. This week just gone. Yeah. So they opened up again. Not technically, no. I think they've, they've eased a few restrictions, but it's so confusing over there. You know, sure. You know, well, because they've got different states doing completely different things, things, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Left arm doesn't know what the right arm's doing. So mm. um, I think if, to answer your question of can versus should, I think we should all be trying to take it pretty freaking easy. Like, I think, In what way? Well, I reckon trying to still stay home as much as you can. It's mm. probably a good idea. Like, as we've learned over the last couple of weeks, if you take care of your brain and if you take care of your body it's and you can still make some cash, it's really not that bad. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's the kind of, that's the, the privilege of it that comes along with it, right? Ah, it's, it's, it's like, who's able to make cash? Who's not able to make cash? And I think, you know, uh, you and I both probably have a, quite a lot of friends who... Who you know working in the entertainment industry haven't been able to get JobKeeper, um, you know, haven't been able to get any support. So I think you know I'm I'm quite fortunate uh, in that you know there's been parts of ISO that's kind of been the dream for me. <laughs> um, you know a little bit. Um, so I think you know if absolutely if you can isolate, great. But I am also like very aware in the back of my head just how many people. This is a horrible nightmare for, yeah, for sure. you know, financially. I mean, the amount of friends I've had who've had to move home, uh, oh, you know, yeah. move out. Um, my housemate had to move out. You know, we've and we kind of were scrambling to get someone, someone in. To, which you did successfully. Which we somehow you. did, but it was funny because I mean, I think I was saying to you because you you were in a similar situation. Yeah, really. Yeah. Where we, um, you know, normally when I would put an ad up for our place because we're 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 in a. Uh, the location of our house is kind of center Sydney and, and uh, it's generally kind of in high enough demand that when we have put up ads in the past, it's been, you know, a hundred people or so have kind of put their hands up. And this time we had, we had three people get in touch about it. So I think people are kind of scrambling to find, find people to kind of fill spaces and get into places. And so we were really, really, really lucky, but, yeah, every time I think about, about that side of things, I'm like, oh, there is definitely some people who are in dire, much dire straits than I am yeah. RN. Yeah, for sure. And and DB, like, oh, I mean, I was really lucky on that front too, in that my house, um, my landlord came to the party. Oh, My landlord great. came to the party. Can you great. believe that? I, I can't. My landlord came to the party and gave us a rent reduction for three months. Oh, that's really rad. And do we we have to pay that back when it's when it's over or to my knowledge no okay which yeah, is cool kind of amazing they're just going to up it to its normal rate in three months time yeah so awesome I assume that the landlord managed to get a reduction from his bank or a suspension from On his like bank and payments or whatever yeah yeah and so because it was a very specific time amount well and and also and I think something that people don't realize who are in the situation is that. It is so hard to fill rooms right now. Oh man, massively. That if you, you know, and for us as, as you know, people subletting and, and, you know, obviously in share houses, that's a nightmare for us. But imagine the nightmare if you're, if you're a landlord trying to fill, fill a whole house right now. Yeah. So they're definitely incentivized to try to keep someone in there paying something, you know, whilst the, whilst this is ongoing. Um, so yeah, that's, um, 
I think that they probably, yeah, part of it's them coming to the table, but part of it is probably them recognising that the last thing they want is for you guys to walk away and for them to have to try and find someone else to take this house. Yeah, we should be an absolute bastard for them mm. at this time, all things considered. Um, hey, DB, talk to me about your existential dread, pal. <laughs> How's your existential dread? <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10. Existential dread. Oh, man. It's it's funny, isn't it? kind of goes up and down, doesn't mm. it? I was... It is a thing, and I... Part of me <laughs> is not ready for isolation to be over. <laughs> Which part is that, Dave? Well, because like, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a writer and director, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, and and for me in my, in my life and my career, I'm constantly trying to juggle, like, the hustling up of, like, trying to get work and do work and, like, trying to make money and, like, trying to do the things that are going to make me money and trying to balance that with, like, my own work. So, like, writing stuff that I want to write and making the products I want to make. Um, and the dream is always that, you know, your your career is on the side of the things you want to make and that you're getting, that you're earning money and you're paying for your lifestyle through your dream projects. Uh, but that's not really the reality. Um, the reality is, is that for every, you know, one dream project that I get to do, there's probably 10 ads that I have to make as well. Yeah. Um, and, and the cool thing about isolation for all kind of the anxiety that comes with it is that it's a little bit of a free pass. It's kind of like there's no one kind of over my shoulder being like, you need to be constantly hustling, you need to be constantly chasing work, you need to be constantly, you know, trying to find this and find that in order to make sure that you can, live. you know, live. Um, I'm allowed to kind of just work on my own stuff and set my own milestones and kind of play with the things I want to play and write the things I want to write and work on the products I want to work on. Um, and that is something which I found really, really valuable, like, over yeah, this okay. time. And, you know, the idea of getting to do that for a couple more months, part of me, you know, that, that sounds really great. That sounds really great to me. Obviously, like, I miss my friends. I miss going out. I miss, you know, knowing what's happening with the world and feeling like we've got some momentum forward. Mm. And there's like definitely been a lot of sacrifices made, but you know, but at the same time, there's definitely been a lot of good, at least for me, that's come out of, out of having all this time yeah, yeah. and getting to spend that time and, and, you know, or looking at like now, you know, perhaps restrictions easing in June, July, we're already beginning to have to ask that question of like, all right, what does that mean, mean. in terms of how I need to change what I'm doing day to day? Do I need to be out hustling for work right now? And what does that even look like? Yeah, um, you know, what do what do film shoots look like over the over the coming months? Um, is there going to be heaps? Because all these companies are desperate to shoot ads to get people back in their business, or is there going to be nothing because everyone's terrified of the impending recession that's about to about to fall. Sort of Damocles hanging over the entire population. Yeah. yeah. So I think like the existential dread is coming more from this sort of sense of unknown. You know, when when we knew that we were in isolation, it's like, cool, that's what I'm doing. Great. It's a free pass. Get to focus on what I want to focus on. And now that we're kind of easing restrictions and the world's kind of going back to this kind of faux normalcy, there's this question of like, well, what is our lives going to be now? And what does it actually mean? 
you know, for our jobs and careers and what are my responsibilities and yeah. now. So that's more where the dread's coming for me now. Yeah, DB, I think that's really fair. If you, you had to put a number on it, pal, what do you think you'd be, one to ten? Ten being tearing your own eyeballs out. The, the, the dread is so existential that that's the end for Dave. And one being skipping through the flowers, daisies, Dave, um, throwing them in the air, living his best life. Oh, you know, I, I reckon the median's probably a five, um, mm. but I reckon I'd get up to like a six or a seven and probably down to a three to four, depending okay. on depending on the time and the day. Yeah. You know, but I feel like, you know, <laughs> in this uh, in this industry, I feel like that's just normal. It's just our lives, isn't it? I just feel like I'm always in some level of like, <laughs> just having this existential crisis of like, why didn't I just like do a real job with like a corporate ladder to climb? Why am I doing this? dumb thing making stupid movies we were literally bemoaning that like 15 minutes ago yeah. being like why do we do the movies why do we make them why why do we why do we bother well because something that has happened recently um for me is that you pat have introduced me to dungeons and dragons yeah now i've i yeah. had wanted to play dungeons and dragons for years but i, I never told you dave i was like morpheus in this situation it never happened and then you and then you were my sweet morpheus this is your last chance after this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends. And you, you go back to life with our Dungeons and Dragons. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. With Dungeons and Dragons. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. And you kind of open this world. And I said to you like an hour ago, that's all I want to do now. All I want to do is just play Dungeons and Dragons and talk <laughs> about Dungeons and Dragons and research Dungeons and Dragons and learn about Dungeons and Dragons for the rest of my life. That's all I want to do now. I don't want to work. I don't want to write things. I just want to play games with my friends forever. And it's horseshit that I can't. It's, you know what? It's fucking horseshit. Yeah. You know what I've always to blame here? Capitalism. I now, honestly... I'm back to capitalism, but I'm blaming capitalism, Dave. If the biggest lesson that we can all walk away from and learn from this debacle is that capitalism is horseshit, we don't need it. We don't need it. We don't fucking need it. And if we could all just hang out with our friends mm. and do what we wanted to do all the time, the world would be a dramatically better place. Fuck yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm interested in this on many levels, but what, what's got you so hard about D&D? And I guess, like, people that have never played it, um, like, what attracted you to it? And what, what have you found in it, DB, that's, that's fucking really got in your soul and lit it up? I, look, I mean, I've always been a big fantasy guy, like, in terms of, like, the books that I read and, and the games that I play and the movies. Like, I'm, I've always just loved that stuff. I love world building. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, as a writer, that really interests me as well. And I think, like, D&D is just exclusively that. It's just like, let's just see how deep we can kind of get to this world. And, and then from that point, it's all just driven by your creativity. So, you know, you've got you, who mm -hmm. you're the DM, and you're kind of creating and fleshing out this universe. And then we can kind of do whatever we want within it. So, I mean, I, I, I love that. I love that aspect to it. And it's just, it's a fun thing to do with friends. And it's particularly good for... Um, for ISO, I think we were having this conversation the other day, because 
you know, you're doing, if you're doing sort of these online Zoom chats or catch up with friends, they kind of, they're quite hard. Like it's quite hard to have like a party over Zoom with your mates because, you know, in a normal party, you know, people are kind of having one conversation over here, another conversation over here, conversations kind of merge and flow. You know, there's a sense of like, it's all kind of happening quite organically. Yeah. Whereas purely for audio reasons, Zoom... <laughs> Zoom kind of requires you to pass the talking stick in this really non-organic way in that you can't just have everyone having conversations at the same time. You know, someone speaks and the next person speaks and back and forth, back and forth, which like is maybe like a wonderful lesson in like active listening, but it's also <laughs> just like really difficult to maintain. And like, but Dungeons and Dragons, just the format of it mm. creates this really wonderful way to like socialize with your friends in a way that's like structured that works perfectly for a digital communication in groups. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, kind of that wonderful. Right. Like the way it's very turn based Dungeons and Dragons. So it's kinda of like you do a thing, then the next person does does a thing and I as a DM might be like, okay, there's the other characters around, do the following. He says X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, You're like, now it is your time to talk this person. Here you are. Here is the talking yeah. touch. Um but what I've been I mean, I've been loving this game. We've been playing on a Friday so much. I've been loving it because we're playing with five uh, other humans who are predominantly actors. Our sweet boy, Joel Huggin, who we both love very much as a producer, but I think may have missed his calling. Yeah. And his performance as Torben the Barbarian. Um, <laughs> and it's been wonderful to see everybody just get deep in the hole with it and, and create a real collaborative storytelling experience. And when I say it like that, it sounds really fucking wanky. But what I mean by that is that everyone's in there and we're all making these story offers at mm. each other with, a, with like this vague overarching narrative. And everyone kind of gets to put their own shit on it. Um, your partner, Sasha, um, had, in her first version of it, has just made this really fucking horny, really sex driven, like, powerful tiefling. She just decided that her character was going to be drunk and horny all the time. Um, and and, that, <laughs> and that's the thing. But it, it is funny because, like, I was... Uh, my, my housemate is also a DM. Um, mm. and, and we... You know, hearing the way he runs his game sounds like it's very different to the way you run your game. Completely. Yeah. And he was absolutely mortified that, um, not this week but the week before, is that whilst we drink while we play... Mm. And the week before, we all just, because we're hanging out with friends, just got shit-faced drunk. Um, <laughs> and so we're all sitting at home in our, own, in our own living rooms, playing this Dungeons & Dragons game, and just getting absolutely pissed yeah, individually. Really written off. But together. Um, and to the point that, like, you and I had a little bit of conflict um, on last Friday night session, because you couldn't remember the details of what you... Had um had decided last week because you were so drunk um and and it's we, true, were, folks. we were it's true story and but we, we all were but we were all fighting over who who um who knew the actual story and who, what actually happened. What was saddest about that was that in my second incarnation of it, I had a really cool bit um, which I thought was so funny and so interesting, and Dave was just like, they've already met Pat. This, this bit would never have happened. These characters have already you, met. You tried to introduce two characters um, in a very, very funny way. Um, Thank a you. very, very humorous way. Um, and it's one of those you had to be there kind of jokes, guys. So I apologize for that. We won't repeat it here. But very, very funny way. Um, not realizing that within the, within the universe of the game, 
those two characters had met literally 15 minutes ago. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's, that's why, that's what's fun about it, you yeah, know? It's like, it's a bunch of friends being drunk, taking something with absolutely zero stakes way too seriously. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's friendship. It's, you know what, it, it, that is friendship, DB. Um, my friends, you've been loving the D&D, that's been great. What else has been um, good for you in isolation? What have you been watching? What have you been reading? What, what, like, if you were to throw out a few recommendations to people that may be listening to this, wanting something to do, watch, or um, take part in during their time in lockdown or easing lockdown, um, what would your advice be, Pat? What's been good for you? Oh, there's a lot going on. I've, I've been using this as an opportunity to kind of watch some stuff that I... I hadn't seen before some older stuff. Um, so I I revisited Deadwood. Um, I fucking love Deadwood. Now I can handle my areas, but there's dimensions and fucking angles I'm not expert at. You would be if you'd sheathe your prick long enough. Shut up. And resume being the upright pain in the balls that graced us all that song. Shut up, you son of a bitch. Of course. If it'd steer you from something stupid, I, uh, could always profess another position. Well, I find you've got a knife. I won't need no fucking knife. I do have a knife. Hey, come to me now. Hm? Welcome to fucking Deadwood. Can be combat. Oh. HBO Deadwood, yeah. Um, which I've, I've been having a love-hate... Relationship with. I tried watching it years ago. I tried getting into it probably in my early twenties, and just found the whole thing completely unintelligible. Like I just because the language is quite that? dense, yeah, right. you know, um, and it's it doesn't hold your hands at all. I guess you know in the way it sort of tells the story, and and there's like a lot of like you know keep up or, or die. Um, <laughs> it's a really gritty western from what like the early 2000s hbo yeah so it's it's about it's set in so deadwood is uh this this gold uh sort of like a gold rush town where they've, they've found uh, this gold and it's it's outside of of what official america is at the time so they're this real pioneer frontier town lawless town, lawless town of these people who've kind of gone there for the gold and tried to build this this um you know this uh, empire this empire this sort of like yeah. this community up um but you know also dealing with the fact that they're not real they don't exist on the maps and and trying to you know survive between uh you know the lawlessness of the town and the you know about to encroach yeah. authority of, of of america um and it's 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 very much this big ensemble show you know there's a lot of characters in there and there's a lot going on and a lot to kind of follow uh, so when I first tried it when I was in my early 20s, I really struggled with it. Yeah, uh, but sure. now, kind of coming back to it, I'm, I'm really digging it. Uh, there are characters that make me want to shoot myself in the head. <laughs> there are characters who I bloody love. Um, a small part of me feels like all of season one was the pilot of, of, <laughs> of what I'm really expect. I'm hoping to really enjoy season two and season three because it feels like that's when the story is actually going to get fucking going. Um <laughs> But Sterling Review, David, <laughs> Sterling Review. I waited 12 episodes for nothing to happen. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, stuff's happening, but it does, it does feel like they're, it's, it's a bit of a slow burn character-wise. For sure. You know? Uh, but, you know, if you haven't checked out Deadwood and you don't mind a bit of a dense, you know, 
Western drama, do what Dave did. Dip do the toe. It. Do what Dave did, folks. Do what Dave did. You should get cards, mate. Mm. So, um, I love that, dude. I'm a big fan of Deadwood. I'm a big fan of Ian McShane in that show, walking around as Elsewhere Engine. Uh, it also makes you say the word cocksucker. Yeah. A lot. Cocksucker and titlicker. 23 men hired. All on our way, this squaw fucking idiot. Proves in eight words he's incompetent and a fucking liar. He kind of got Adam's telegram more than four hours ago, yet he expects me to believe that in four hours he can prudently assess the qualities of 23 hires. <laughs> you know what on our way means, huh? No. On our way means they're getting drunk and blown in some saloon in Cheyenne and running their mouths about this big fucking filibustering expedition they've been commissioned for under command of the famous Hawkeye. The laziest, most shit-faced, whoremongering cocksucker to ever piss my money away. Please, do not strike me. Yeah. Are there two, are there big ones? Are there two main insults? Yeah. And then even insults that are just like how people refer to each other. It's, what I love about it is that they'll, they'll, they'll use cocksucker for everyone. Everyone's a cocksucker. But then there's this one moment in like one of the episodes where Al, the, the kind of the big bad owner of the, of the, of the gem saloon, call someone a motherfucker and all of a sudden like it's like guns are gonna come out it's like how dare you sir like it's a real kind of, like oh okay so, that, so that's where the line so is, that's yeah. the real naughty word that's the that's the c-bomb of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of, of like Deadwood. frontier america yeah. early early 1800s the only person i love in that show is uh timothy oliphant who's just wild as sheriff bullock it's just wildly angry in every possible scene. He's just a, everyone in the show is so angry. <laughs> so angry and, and yelly. Everyone's angry and they're yelling. And Timothy Oliphant is he's the only he's not he's angry, but he's not a yeller, he's a grumper. He's always just like through gritted teeth, like, oh everyone's a bad person and I hate everyone. God damn it, Al! You and I are gonna talk. If you don't account for my preferences, Mr. Bowen, I will beat you here in the street. First rate thinking. It's, yeah, he's just, thing just mad. He does that little little scrunched up face Thanks. that he does, yeah. which is weird because he's so handsome. Yeah, he massively handsome. Um, and he's got this big old moustache. I mean, it is impressive. It's huh? too big. You want to get in there and stroke <laughs> it. I, I look at that moustache and I'm like, how can I, how can I get that and put it on my own face? I'd be so happy. In fact, if anybody's listening to this podcast and has skills in Photoshop and just wants to Photoshop Timothy Oliphant's moustache into my face, I would appreciate Please that. Please do. Uh, yeah. That would be very good. That would be powerful for me. I now, think this has been less of a review by me and more just me kind of bitching about the, <laughs> about the things that I didn't love about Deadwood. But I feel like I want to finish by saying it's a, I, I recommend it. Great. You know, if you can deal with all that. Anything else, DB? What else has been serving your heart, pal? I just finished reading um, uh, Tanahasi Coates' new novel. Do oh, you know him? Yes, yes, yes. I bought um, it like the water something. The I, water dancer. The water dancer. I bought it for my for my brother in law for Christmas. Yeah. So I I was a big fan of of him. So he um, is uh, I think a journalist in the in the states. He he kind of famously wrote this book between the world and me uh, a couple of years ago, which is um, sort of writ. He's he's a he's a, a a black man in America, and he's writing this book through the literary convention of of writing a letter to his sort of newborn son, wow. kind of ex- sort of talking about like his life and and kind of his relationship with being a black man 
in America to try to kind of explain that to his kid. And it's like, it's absolutely incredible book, Between the World and Me. It's, it's, it's his breakthrough book, and it's amazing. And so The Water Dancer is his first work of fiction. So Right, okay. This is his first novel. I think in addition to Between the World and Me, he also wrote uh, We Are Eight Years in Power, which is like his kind of reflection on, on the Obama years and, yeah. and kind of what that kind of meant. Uh, but The Water Dancer is his, it's his first, um, first piece of fiction, uh, and it's about a, um, a slave in, um, in the South, uh, sort of pre-Civil War, mm-hmm. um, and him kind of discovering, uh, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it's kind of like his kind of journey to sort of, uh, to figure out like who he is and, and this, he's got this sort of, there's a, there's a power that he perhaps has access to that he's kind of learning about, but it's really, it's a bit of a slow burn but it's a really beautifully written novel. Mm. Um, and I think it's kind of like, I think people will sort of look back at it, you know, in years to come where um, Tanahasi's written, you know, three, four, five more books and they'll kind of look at it as like, oh, this is kind of like the introduction to someone who's going to be a really important fiction writer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I really loved that. I think that's something which... Uh, I would highly recommend to people. Love that. Like dip in the toe. And you know what's great about that for me is that it means I gave my brother-in-law a book that was not a stinker. I got him a good one. Isn't and that nice? You gotta love that. You gotta love that. You gotta be pleased about that. I'm mind. I'm a big believer in not giving books that you haven't read unless they've asked been unless they've been specifically asked for or you know they like that author. I think that's probably a good way to go about it. But you know me, Dave. I fly fast and loose, baby. I yeah. get so drunk playing Dungeons and Dragons. I don't even know which characters I've met anymore. I, I fly by the seat of my pants. You know. No, I, I, I love that about you. I live on the edge. You know, I love that about you. I find the edge. I get there. I build a hotel. <laughs> I move in. I get a, a penthouse and I look out over the view. Yeah, um, I do love that. <laughs> oh, mate, that's that's great, DB. I think that's a lovely recommendation, my friend. Um, and mate, I was kind of getting towards the end of our time here, sadly. But if you had any final things you'd like to throw out to the humans, any final recommendations or, or final thoughts from you, DB? Really, really, I'm looking for a button here, pal. You got a, you got a button or a bow you can put on this sucker? Look, I'm not going to give you one. I'm not going to give you a button, Pat. Um, <laughs> I've had a lovely time here, but I don't, I'm not sure if, uh, if either of us have earned it. So, um, <laughs> so thank you for listening. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me, but uh, I will not contribute to a button, I have nothing, nothing left to say. <laughs> I am outraged by that, Dave, because that is a complete lie. All you are, my friend, from the bottom of your toes to the top of your head, is more things to say. Opinions. Uh, s- stories to tell. You Anecdotes. Know. Uh, this is it. This is it. This is, this is why the people come to you. <laughs> this is why the people come to you. Um, mate, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for so much for being my first in-studio guest. So happy to be here. And, you know, like, what a joy. What a delight. Mm. What a time. I'm so glad you're back on the dead wood. I look forward to that. And I will see you on Friday night um, for some more d and I can't wait. Hopefully this time I'll be sober enough to remember some of what happened. I don't... I want you in that perfect spot. I, I mm. want you drunk enough that you're flying... You know, you're, you're flying high as, <laughs> as we want Pat to, Pat to be. But just sober enough that you know what's happening. <laughs> Thanks so much, Dave. We'll see you soon, pal. Thanks, mate.
thanks to David Burrows for joining us on the show. What an absolute legend, and it was lovely to have him in the studio with me. Apologies for the audio quality there, folks. No, it wasn't up to our usual standard, but Muggins here hit the wrong button on my new recorder. What a nugget. Hey, listen, if you're an advertising agency or you know somebody who is and you really need a director for an upcoming project, you should really check out Dave's awesome work at lightbulbhead.net. That's all one word. If you're a fancy-pantsy producer with millions of dollars to throw at a feature film, he's got a couple of those lurking around as well, so you should really check him out. All right, let's do some credits. Intro music was I'm Good by Hilltop Hood's 2020 Universal Music. We also had clips from Deadwood, HBO 2004, The Matrix 1999, Warner Brothers Pictures, and we featured news clips from MSNBC, NBC New York, CNN, ABC Australia, BBC, and Channel 9 News. All of those are from the 18th of April 2020. Finally, our credits music, this lovely jam, is Kevin McLeod with Bossa Bossa off Groovy 2016. Thanks so much for listening to us, folks. We'll have a new episode in your feed next week. Hey, if you think you'd be a great guest on this show, or you know someone who you think would be, hit us up. Um, you can find us on Facebook at the ISOCast, all one word, or on Twitter at ISO underscore cast. Finally, if you're feeling old school, shoot me an email at gingersnapsydney, all one word, at gmail.com. All of that is in the episode description. Additionally, how about you take your phone out real quick? Just just grab it out of your pocket. Have a gander at it. If you've got a button that says five stars on it, just bloody hit it. Just hit it. You do it for your Uber delivery driver. Do it for your old mate PC. I'd love that. Um, if you can't do that, share it with a friend. Put it on your social media. Spread it around, folks. That'd be really, really great. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast, folks. It's wonderful to have you with us. Take care out there. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And I'll see you next week.